0: In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Even Merciful, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon all our listeners. Welcome to the show, Medical Matters on Voice of Islam Radio. You are listening to Dr. Salam on Voice of Islam Radio. Today we are hosting a special program on the occasion of annual convention of the Muslim uh, Muslim Community UK, which is known as Jalsa Salana. Today's segment of the medical matter is brought to you by MDA Muslim Medical Association UK, uh, known as AMA UK, the organisation for MD healthcare professional. In this uh, episode, we'll discuss about. <coughs> uh, I would like to say it's rather my pleasure to invite a selection of the female uh, MDA Muslim Medical Association UK members. Who are currently working in the UK and represent the modern day healthcare team. Uh, today, I have got doctors with me, and uh, they have all taken time out to be uh, here with me today to give some advice on how you, our listeners, can improve uh, their well being with a special focus on large gathering uh, eat events today. Uh, my first guest uh, today is uh, Dr. Saima Usman Ahmed. She is a consultant geriatrician. Uh, I would like to ask some few questions related to the bone health with her. Bone health does not always get the attention it should have. This is my belief. And though it is literally the skeleton that holds everything in the place. I'm sure we all believe. Uh, Dr. Simon, can you begin by telling us what is the osteoporosis and who is, the, who is at the highest risk? Thank you very much for
1: inviting me on this blessed occasion of Jalsa Salana. Assalamu alaikum. peace and blessings upon all of our listeners. Uh, as Dr. Salam just mentioned, osteoporosis, uh, the bone health is not like uh, one of the very common uh, things which we look after, and uh, it's not, uh, I think it's quite lack of awareness in general population, especially in our elderly population. So regarding to your question, uh, osteoporosis, I would like to just explain in like general terms. So osteoporosis basically it causes bones to become weaker and more fragile. Some people,
0: they are at more risk than others. Bones, so when you say weaker, Dr. Samer, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I'm just How can to, anybody know that their bones are weak or their bones are strong?
1: Yeah, I'm just about to explain. So bones, they are thickest and strongest in our uh, early adult life until our late teen, uh, 20s. And then you gradually start losing around 35. But it doesn't mean that everyone like will break their bone after age of 35. It's general, like, we start losing a part of the bone, like, they it, it become uh, slightly weaker after age of 35. So this, this happens
0: because of the calcium start dissolving from the bones or any other reason?
1: Yeah, there are quite, I would say it's multifactorial. I can't just pinpoint one factor, so it, 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 it can be multifactorial, which could be a lack of vitamin D and calcium. So this happens basically to everyone, but some people, they develop osteoporosis and lose bone much uh, faster than normal. This means that they are at greater risk as compared to other. So I would like to, if you are okay, I would like to explain which are which is the group of people which are at more risk. So I would say the people who have family history osteoporosis, like in their family, if they are, uh, have people who have fractures, especially hip fracture, so they are at more risk. If your body mass index this is less than 19, so then you are at more risk.
0: And you just said fracture. If these fractures happen at, uh, are we? Um, uh, specifying fractures in old age or at any age? Uh,
1: So basically, that can happen at any age, but it's the elderly, they are at more risk. So if we look at the studies, so usually uh, the young children, they are at more risk because obviously they run around, they start learning walking, so they are at more risk, but obviously because they are developing in their developing age, so they heal quite easily. Then second group is usually athletes, young athletes, because obviously they play a lot, they can have uh, injuries, so they're at the uh, second number. And the third number is basically elderly. But the problem in elderly is because of their, like lack, lack of the reserves in their body. So when they break a bone, it's hard to heal for them. So that is why it's, it has high mortality and morbidity in elderly population if they break their bone. Um, And then, as I said, there are other group who, uh, we are blessed that we don't drink alcohol, but the people who have uh, heavy drinking of alcohol and smoking, they are at risk. Then the other, some uh, medical condition like rheumatoid arthritis, if you have any malabsorption problems, celiac disease, which is basically gluten sensitivity, and in Crohn's disease, which are the gut conditions which lead to malabsorption, and then malabsorption leads to lack of calcium, vitamin D, and the essential minerals and vitamins, which are necessary for bone development. And there are also some hormonal problems which can uh, be uh, giving you at risk of developing osteoporosis, like um, overactive thyroid gland. Then disorders of the adrenal glands. So adrenal glands, they are basically the small glands on the top of the both kidneys, and which are very important in maintaining your uh, minerals and bones in the body. And then also disorders of the pituitary gland, uh, which is at the base of the brain. Then overactivity of the parathyroid gland. So these are the certain group of the people who are at risk of developing osteoporosis. I hope I have explained the, the situation and try to make it simple
0: yeah thank you that was very helpful uh, I, if i just come uh, to the couple of points to do for you to um, slightly make them clear for us more when we talk about the bmi i would like to know what is bmi and uh, uh, can people calculate their own bmi uh, regarding uh, to check their bone health Yeah, absolutely.
1: So BMI, as it explained, it's body mass index. So which is basically there is a formula which you can calculate your BMI. It's basically it's your height and weight. So there is a certain formula, even like general population, they can Google and to have that formula. And then they just have to put their height and weight and then they can calculate their uh, body mass index. And usually, the normal body mass index uh, range is between 20 to 25. So if it is less than 20, then your BMI is uh, like you are, uh, you can say, on thinner side. And if it's BMI is more than 25, so then you can, we can say that you are overweight and you have to, so it's ideal, ideal uh, range is between 20 to 25.
0: Do uh, patients, is anybody can do his BMI by himself or is there any formula which they could look for or they have to go to their family doctor to get it calculated? As I just mentioned, yeah, the people who struggle to calculate themselves, they
1: can ask their GP. Usually in GP record in in UK, we have set up of our uh, doctors which are called general practitioners. Mm -hmm. So when you register with them, they do take your height and weight and they do calculate your BMI. So if you struggle to calculate on your own, you can ask your GP and GP normally it's in their record. But as I said and mentioned earlier, even you can Google the formula for BMI and then you can calculate by putting your height and weight.
0: And as uh, you just uh, mentioned, if there are long periods of inactivity, what do you mean by the long periods of inactivity? People who don't do job or what? How do you explain it? So again, it will depend
1: upon your, your age your past medical history, your frailty. So in elderly I would say it's more common the period of immobility if they have some general conditions like neurological condition, multiple sclerosis, they can make them uh, immobile. If you're too overweight that can help, uh, the, the, like that will uh, you will be at high risk of uh, uh, less mobile. So mm. these are certain group of people who can like be Like the immobile. physical
0: mobility definitely affects the It bone does. health. It yeah. does.
1: I think as with any other thing if you keep on using something it will be in proper condition so same with (laughs) the bones even (laughs) for your cars and things like that machinery the same rule applies i think to the bones as well if you keep on using the bones and muscles so they will be in better condition rather than not using
0: them now here come the questions more broadly how can we look after our bone health
1: oh that's really important question and it's i think it's quite related to whatever we have just discussed Uh, So basically uh, it's the general myas which we can do to look after our bone health which includes eating healthy balanced diet uh, which should be combination of carbohydrates, uh, vitamins, minerals, proteins uh, and taking vitamin D and calcium supplements. And then if you are at high risk of fall, so basically osteoporosis we say when you had a fall less than of your height and then you break your bone, so then it's called osteoporosis because you can hide from like uh, more than that. But usually if you have ha- fall from less than your height and you uh, break your bone, so then it is osteoporosis. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, if you are at high risk of falls, if you have family history of osteoporosis, so then um, uh, you can develop this condition. And especially I would like to highlight regarding about this blessed occasion of a big international gathering called Jalsa Salana. So people are very keen to come and attend this occasion, especially elderly population, they don't want to miss. So they have to be uh, very careful by coming here, taking uh, my years to prevent the risk of falls which are try not to hear high heels and try to uh, wear the comfortable shoes which are okay for them to walk because it's a it's a big um, place and you have to walk a lot so that can be really helpful if they have uh, if they take the preventive my years. and then also um taking their uh, supplements and regular medication.
0: Yeah, I would like to say a little bit more about uh, this topic when I ask you the question, how can we prevent falls in our elderly population? Yeah, that's another,
1: I was just uh, a part of it, I've already explained, but uh, I would uh, divide this question into
0: general, my
1: ears, and uh, specific. If we uh,
0: talk with a reference to the large community gatherings when people are walking on the not always a very smooth uh, 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 soils or the fields, so how they can protect their health. Yeah, so that's uh, another
1: health. very important question regarding our uh, uh, Jalsa Salana, which is a big international gathering. Uh, as As you said, the surface can be a bit uneven, so especially as regard to the children and elderly population, we have to be really careful to walk carefully. Uh, as I, I mentioned earlier, to wear the comfortable shoes, which are, which are helpful in walking. Then also, if they take any uh, regular medication for high blood pressure or for diabetes, so they uh, should remember when they are doing their packing to uh, bring their uh, medication and take them regularly. And we are blessed that we have first aid marquee if they have any problems so they can uh contact
0: them. here we'd like to focus more on pe- how people can look after their bone health or their health by themselves rather looking towards the hospital or emergencies so i think that is the main aim uh we should be empowering people about their bone health yeah that's really
1: important uh, yeah. uh, as yeah. we mentioned earlier yeah. yeah
0: thank you very much your uh, info you gave us a very valuable information and i'm sure our listener must have Got some new information to act upon. Thank, Thank you very, you very much. Uh,
1: it's my pleasure to come and talk on this blessed occasion of Telsa Salana. Thank you. So, um,
0: then I would like to, uh, I would like to take a different approach for my next segment, and in this segment uh, for discussion, I will shifting to my focus towards the healthcare scene in the practice, uh, for which I would like to inwa- invite Dr. Ahmed. Uh, she's a hospital doctor and has been a avid volunteer to community health events for the long time. Doctor um, Ahmed, my questions to you is: Do you have any interesting trends or uh, commentary you would like to share with our listener today?
2: So first of all, thank you very much for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to talk uh, here today. I really enjoyed your earlier segment, um, found it very insightful, and I very much look forward to hear the rest of the show as well. So... What I would like to comment on is that in the recent past, what we've seen is COVID has pretty much dominated the news cycle and the health, um, health initiatives as well, which was rightly so. Uh, but that has been to the detriment of many other um, public health initiatives. And I think it's really important that we bring back into focus the rest of the healthcare as well. To make this relevant, um, what I'd like to do is quote a couple of studies that have been carried out by um, us in the community members. In particular, there's one on healthcare delivery service at math gatherings such as Jalsa.
0: Yes, I remember you were involved in a huge study here and I remember it went on for a few years. It did indeed. You did the
2: same? Yes, that's the one. And um, we published it as well to make sure that we share our finding with the rest of the healthcare community as well, so everyone can learn um, and improve their own services. So when you're delivering healthcare at any large organisation, I think it's really important to be considerate of the event site, where the event is happening, what are the risks based on where the event is happening? Whether there's any on-site accommodation, and in particular the size, whether that is the size of the area involved or the size of the crowd. And it's really important to make these estimations when you're delivering a service. And this is something that we went into a lot of detail in the paper. Now, moving on to the crux of, ma- before, of the matter. Uh,
0: before move further, is there any criteria that which will be a large gathering or? Number of the pe- people in that will be regarded as a large gathering, or the size of the place, or
2: so there are arbitrary numbers that have been put in place. But I think the key thing to recognise is. How big the site is itself, so even if there are a few people, if the site is very big, then you need to have a larger team to be able to accommodate for the wide um, area that they would have to cover. On the other hand, a smaller site doesn 't mean you don't need to put in just as much attention and focus; you need to make sure you understand um, the types of challenges that you will you may face, and you will you need to recognize this in advance of delivering your service so in the service that we delivered, what we found was that as expected our commonest um, identified reasons for people coming to seek help were wounds superficial wounds and stings from various um, animals um, these like are exa- the bee yes exactly because these are largely expected and they are by and large simple to manage so that is reassuring but what i'd like to focus on is the fact that our third and fourth most common reason for a person to present to any healthcare um, setting in a large mass gathering was to check their blood sugar level and to check their blood pressure. Now this is really important because of the context I'm just about to explain. Part of this study was also looking at the burden of chronic disease in the in those people that present irrespective of why they present we looked into how many of them had for example high blood pressure diabetes asthma chronic conditions that people have to live have to live with and what we identified was that there was a growing burden of chronic disease in people presenting and it got to the point where one in three people presenting for any reason had a chronic condition so now let's marry this up with the fact that the third and fourth most common reason that people were seeking help was to have their blood sugar checked and to have their blood pressure checked. Now you might be wondering why is this of any significance? It's of significance because it opens up an opportunity, an opportunity to give information, an opportunity to optimize the environment that the people are in so that it is most accommodating to the healthcare needs of the people that are attending. This in itself is a large topic, and no doubt I would hope that we'd be able to address this a little later on.
0: Yeah, here I would like to ask one question: When we, when uh, this uh, research was done, was there any special um, attention given to, uh, like, um, ethnicity, culture, uh, people from different sides, parts of the world, or anything like that, or, or is it important to consider? So
2: the people that were attending this um, event were from all across the world. It was open to international ge- uh, ga- guests as well. Additionally, there was no age restriction. Everyone was allowed to attend. So this way, what we had was a large gathering of people from all over the, all over the world of various ages, coming in with all sorts of problems. It's a, it's a truly fantastic time to be in such a place where you meet so many people and can have such a great opportunity and having just come out of this COVID lockdown to even imagine such a scenario is is very much enjoyable so I have um so into actual in response to your actual question I think I just caught up got caught up in the moment of you know being with people that you haven't been with for so long Yes, there are, of course, considerations that you need to take into account when you've got people of all ages and all countries coming together. And that's why the service, as we described in our paper, needs to be versatile and it needs to be able to address the uh, problems um, that can be anticipated. There's a second study as well that we did. Um, this second study was not done in a large mass gathering setting, but actually was done in the community, um, when sort of when they were sort of congregating for for simple um, event, rather than an international event as such. So, what this st- second study was, and I'm going to call it the community study for ease of understanding, it was looking at um, the common. Uh, health and lifestyle um, problems that our day-to-day person faces. Now, I don't want to simply parrot out the common findings that all of us have heard before in the news and various other sources, but I'd like to focus on the key and interesting findings that are somewhat easily uh, remedied um, and something that we simply need to shed light on so that each and every one of us can improve in that regard. So first of all, let's talk about the sustenance of life, that is water. Water is absolutely crucial. And unfortunately, what we found was in our very large community study, most people, so less than 10, uh, most people, so that is to say um so well over ninety percent of people were not drinking the minimum number of wa- uh, minimum number of glasses of water sorry that um, need to be taken in in a healthy adult, so we should be encouraging our- ourselves and those around us to drink eight glasses of water and i 'm afraid uh, less than ten percent of people uh, were drinking that much and it's not it 's not surprising it 's actually not that easy it takes a lot of um, Uh, a, A lot of sort of purposeful actions to ensure that you can get enough water intake. But it's absolutely crucial and it has a wide variety of benefits. Whether that benefit is for your GI system, for your skin, for your overall well-being... Water is crucial, and I think not enough emphasis um, is made um, on that. There are various ways that we can look into how much we're drinking. Now, I've mentioned here that we're not drinking enough water, so you might be wondering, what are people drinking? Well, according to our community study, what we identified... Was that four in five people were drinking one or more glasses of carbonated sugary drink? That is to say, a, a fizzy drink, if I was to use the common term for it. So one might immediately suspect okay, so what was the age group of the people that you were looking at in this community study? The people that are drinking so many fizzy drinks, who are they? Well, actually, the commonest um, age group. Uh, that people um, were, in, sort of were from in this study were those aged 25 to 45 and then aged 55 to 64. So actually, I know it is. So actually what we've got here is sort of is full-on adults with a good understanding of what is healthy, what is unhealthy, and they are drinking well more than one fizzy drink a day. And this is really important because imagine if you were to make the simple change of changing those fizzy drinks to water. In one fell swoop, you've gotten rid of two major problems. You've reduced your sugar intake, you've reduced your fatty intake and you've replaced it with something healthy and something natural
0: that's very interesting dr Raman. Uh, but i have to take a short break it's a time for short break uh, after which i would like to continue with your uh, discussion of the trends in the healthcare assalamu uh, alaikum wa barkatahu may peace and blessings of allah be upon you and all
3: allah,
4: allah.
5: listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
6: The world hosts many conventions of all kinds, where people gather for various reasons. And these conventions vary from political gatherings, musical concerts, sporting events, and everything in between. People benefit in various manners from each of these, be it merely entertainment, health benefits, or even strengthening their political standing. However, conventions are not solely limited to worldly benefit. The Hajj, which is the Muslim pilgrimage to the house of God Almighty in Mecca, is a prime example of this. The spiritual rewards and benefits one can gain from this pilgrimage may even be beyond human comprehension. And another such convention is the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community called Jatza Salana. With its humble beginnings in 1891 in the remote village of Qadian, and which was attended by merely 75 members of the community at that time, it has expanded substantially. These conventions are held in dozens of countries on an international scale, Sometimes with over 38,000 attendees from hundreds of countries. There is more to the annual convention than meets the eye. This convention was established by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, on whom be peace. And he presented four main purposes of this convention. Number one, to increase one's communion with Allah the Almighty. Number two, To pray for those brothers who have passed away. Number three, to meet new members and increase in brotherhood. And lastly, number four, to gain and increase in knowledge. Now these four principal purposes presented by the promised Messiah and whom be peace are being fulfilled in every aspect of the annual convention. The most obvious being the purpose of increasing one's communion with Allah the Almighty. With the entire schedule revolving around the five daily prayers, a person inevitably finds himself in a spiritual, uplifting atmosphere. Even more so, when such a convention is blessed by the presence of the Caliph of the Amitya Muslim community, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed may Allah strengthen his hand. Offering the five daily prayers behind the Caliph catalyzes the impact on one's spirituality. Praying for the deceased is generally fulfilled by the increased attention towards prayer and contemplation, so another purpose is fulfilled in harmony with the increase in communion with Allah the Almighty. And increasing in brotherhood is achieved through various manners as well. Dining together in the same marquee as thousands of other Ahmadi brothers and sisters contributes to this factor, meeting new people, and learning to work with them in different departments whilst on duty is another means of this. The bazaar serves as a hub of socializing with friends and with family. Hence, there are many ways one can fulfill this purpose without even realizing, by just going about their usual jalsa routine. And lastly, a person can fulfill the purpose of gaining knowledge by listening to the addresses of Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, May Allah Strengthen His Hand the worldwide head of the Ambiya Muslim community, which serves as a treasure trove of the pristine teachings of Islam and the role of Islam in our current day and age. The scholarly speeches of the scholars of the community scheduled in the sessions in between also provide ample opportunity for this, as well as the exhibitions of various departments set up in different parts of the ground. Hence, it is imperative to remember the true purposes of the annual convention, the Jalsa Salana, laid down by the promised Messiah on whom be peace whilst attending these, because the spiritual reward and benefit is what distinguishes this gathering from any other worldly convention. The Conditions of Initiation,
5: Bed, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. The initiate shall solemnly promise 1. That he or she shall abstain from shirk, association of any partner with God, right up to the day of his or her death. 2. That he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be. 3. That he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the Dahajjud, and invoking the rood on the Holy Prophet sallallahu wa that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify him. Four, that under the impulse of any passions he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue nor by his or her hands, nor by any other means. 5. That he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and happiness, adversity and prosperity, in felicity and trial, and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Qur'an and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honour of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honor, children and all other dear ones. 9. That he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only and shall endeavour to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah, and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death, that he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to Medical Matters on Voice of Islam Radio. Before the break, we were discussing with Dr. Ahmed about the trends in the healthcare seen in the practice. Um, uh, you have given us a uh, very good insight to the trends of the healthcare in your research work, Dr. Emmet. My next question to you is, do you have any tips of our uh, listener on how to maintain a good overall health in a mass, ga- mass gathering?
2: So there are a lot of ways that we can address. Various elements of our lifestyle to try and make it healthy, and perhaps a comprehensive review might not be feasible in the time that we have allowed today. But I think I would like to focus on some very small changes that we can make that will overall improve everyone's um, sort of healthy uh, everyone's lifestyle, make it more healthy um, in the modern world. So I think one important element to recognise is going to be that we are meeting new people and friends and colleagues after many years of isolation due to the pandemic and there might be a tendency to want to engage in easy activities so sitting and chatting snacking on uh, unhealthy foods because they give you a quick and sharp sugar burst and perhaps that may be that may feel like the easiest option but that doesn't necessarily need to be the only option let's put forward a scenario where you're meeting someone for the first time in a couple of years instead of sitting down and talking and chatting whilst you're both having a full sugar um, carbonated drink why don't you replace that carbonated drink with a few glasses of water instead if you like to have tea when you meet people why don't you try sugar-free tea for the first time another element instead of sitting down and catching up Why don't you take your conversation out to the park? We are very blessed that we have a variety of ways in which we can engage our physical activity here. Um, Therefore, it's really important that we should find ways to perhaps get up, take our conversation moving. There you're getting your step counts in. There are small changes like this that we can do that can make our day-to-day life more healthy. And what you'll find is as you reduce the unnecessary sugars in your life... You will far more appreciate the sweet things that you have. Another element I think is very important that is screen detoxing. So, in the earlier community study that I mentioned, what we had identified was that 57% spent four hours or more on a screen, with a very uh, significant number spending a very unhealthy uh, eight to 12 hours on the screens. So we have to find a way to address this, to be able to continue to live our modern lives without the reliance on electronic screens. And how can we do that? This is what we call a digital detox and you can look these up online as well or I'm not sure if we have the time uh, but we I, I'd be happy to share a few things with you if
0: that it's is exactly what like. like electronic detox yes All exactly
2: right. exactly so,
0: uh, uh, from your discussion I feel like these community gathering gatherings are like a spiritual and the physical overall of the human uh, health and human mind. Yeah, please, uh, I would uh, mention some electronic detox also for us. Uh, Thank you for
2: giving me the opportunity uh, to bring this up, because I think it's very important. So, first of all, you're right. In these types of occasions, we have the ability to focus on something bigger than ourselves, to count the blessings in our lives. And this on its own can be a huge and powerful motivator to take you away from some of the natural stresses that make their presence in the modern life. Also, screen time. Screen time in every form. Being uh, Being on your smartphone, being on your mobile tablet, being on a laptop or a computer or the screen in your car, these are all elements of our life that we need to recognize so that we can address the problem you should not be spending excessive amounts of time staring at a blank screen it has impact on your own vision it also has impact on your own mental health because you never so-called turn off you never let your mind collect its thoughts and help it to find some peace in a busy life and it's not just about the screen time itself, but you're also looking at the apps you're using. If the apps that you're using are ones that require a lot of attention, they're gaming apps, their social media platforms, and they're ones that are drawing an emotional response from you, you will be re- diluting your own experience of, um, of the app by spending so long on it, but also you will be unnecessarily stressing yourself as well.
0: Thank you very much. This all information was a very, very helpful uh, for me and I'm sure for our listener. It's the time for another short break after which we'll be uh, uh, again discussing medical matters. As- uh, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.
4: This message, love for all, hatred for none, is a universal message. A message that needs to be moved out
3: beyond the immediate community into the wider public. The message you have on
5: that wall, love for all and hatred for none, has become more important than ever before in this fractured world. I admire your community. Your creed, love for all, hatred for none. And I admire your leadership in this difficult world that we live in. Love for all, hatred for none. Love for all and hatred for none.
1: Love for all,
6: hatred for none. Allah
5: listening to the voice of islam radio broadcasting on dab and via the internet 24 hours a day
0: assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi may peace and blessings of allah be upon you all welcome back to medical matters on voice of islam radio before break we were discussing with dr ahmed about the trends in the um, modern practice Now I have got uh, one of our experienced nurses, Rukhaya Begum, with me. As in us during the pandemic, I'm sure uh, you have been uh, kept busy and let me begin by saying on behalf of our listener, thank you to you and all the entire nursing community for all your hard work and sacrifices. Uh, Many of the restrictions are now lifting and people are trying to get back to normal or some semblance of this. Um, Rukaiya Begum, I would like to ask you, after being limited for m- more than the last two years, uh, people are eager to go out and attend large public gatherings. How can your
4: skills and experience contribute to this? I am, I am thankful that I have been given this opportunity to share my experience and thought as a senior nurse working with the NHS more than 20 years on this large gathering. Helping my community does not uh, need require that specific skill, but many of the same qualities and nurses bring to the job apply, such as uh, teamwork, empathy, and uh, understanding how the conditions we live in affect our physical and mental well-being. I can use my nursing skill, to promote health in the community, give the advice, on the diet and exercise, educate about the importance of the vaccination and hand washing in the COVID painting. I would like to share my skill and experience to help the local community stay safe while attending large gatherings. Easy restriction has allowed people to go back to doing things that they love and enjoy. As a nurse, I would encourage people to be patient and pandemic has been hard for all of us that, but it's still not over. Still eight to 10 people is uh, coming the positive with the severe the symptoms. As this pandemic, there's some people who are more vulnerable to the, uh, they have a risk, high risk for the virus to catch and feel more anxious while going out, such as elderly or, or uh, other people which they have underlying conditions are women who are in the pregnant my advice for the everyone to go and your own pace do what feels safe and comfortable for you if you still feel the wearing the mask please do and you can save yourself and your beloved but most important i advise would give to the them to have to the vaccine when you will go, go in the large gathering as it is still the safe the safe, safest way to protect yourself and your loved one also thank you
0: very much this general advice is really helpful for us all and uh, uh, no, uh, thank you. I do appreciate your participation in our program. Now I have to move towards my next segment in which I have been. I'll be speaking to Dania Chaudhry, uh, dentist training in the field of dentistry. Welcome you in the program, Dania. Thank you. Peace yeah. and
3: blessings of Allah be on you and rest of the speakers and all the listeners here, of course. Mm, thank
0: you. Our dental professionals play a crucial role in the public health. Uh, the pandemic has left you and your profession with the mammoth task of not just catching up, but also maintaining and preventing the diseases. We command your hard work. Thank you for taking the time out for your busy schedule to be here today. I, Dania, I believe an important topic is that of public empowerment with the, with the key information. It is very crucial. Can you tell us some of the common dental mistakes everyone mm-hmm. do?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, actually. and especially Like you mentioned with the pandemic, these common mistakes, if people can focus on this themselves outside of visiting a professional dentist, then it can make a big difference. So um, I'll just, yeah, one of the most common dental mistakes that many people make is definitely not brushing twice a day. So a lot of us, when we're tired or busy at night, we'll forget to brush our teeth before bed. So people especially remember in the morning, but at night is when people often... Um, become a bit more relaxed or might forget to so um, especially in the long hectic days of Jalsa this large national community gathering that many Ahmadi Muslims are attending right now and people are traveling from afar and it's just a very long day day. so people become tired and they can forget to brush their teeth but um, it's extremely important to remember to do this because if I just explain in um, terms why it's important because it helps a lot when you understand the detail behind it so if you're not brushing twice a day it can actually mean that this sticky film forms on our teeth and we've often might have felt it if you run your tongue along the like along your teeth after a day of eating you might feel a little bit of stickiness or graininess and this is called plaque Um, and plaque contains bacteria which then the longer we leave it in our mouth and we don't brush it away this bacteria produces acids as a waste and these acids are the ones that damage the teeth. And we all know about cavities and how long it is to go to the dentist and get them filled. So if you want to prevent these cavities, then it's really important to brush. So um and it's not just about our teeth, it's also our gums. So these bacteria can also aggravate our gums and cause gum disease, which is which is quite painful if you've ever brushed your teeth and you've seen bleeding or, you know, you just feel really, really um soft gums or they might feel a bit Aggravated. That's, that's what is caused by these um, bacteria affecting these gums. So cavities and gum disease, two mm. big things mm. we want to avoid. So um, that is definitely one of the most common mistakes. Another so, common mistake that is linked, that is quite linked to this is um, people do remember to brush their teeth twice a day because this is um, one of the most common things a dentist will say. So people who do remember this often don't brush for long enough. So um, in order to cover all surfaces of the mouth, um, we should be brushing for at least two whole minutes. Um, And people don't realize how long this is, so it's useful to set a timer. But yeah, I'd say these are the two most common mistakes.
0: Thank you very much. That's very interesting and it's a very important point. The significance of doing the basics properly cannot be understated. I would like uh, to move to my next question. How can sweet foods and drinks and snacking affect our dental health? And uh, I will add another question uh, with it. That is there any specific, are there any specific diseases which are related to dental health? Of uh, general uh, or systemic diseases, if you could, yeah, these are two big questions, but I would appreciate if you could
3: put uh, shine some light on these um yeah, of course, great question, so um yeah, of course, we all know about sweet and sugary snacks affecting our dental health, but exactly how, so um it can be detrimental because the sugars in these foods, like we spoke about bacteria earlier. The bacteria use these sugars to make acids. And we spoke about acids having dissolving effects on the teeth. And so it's the same thing, basically, can cause cavities. Um, And as well as being conscious of what we snack on, it's also important to be uh, conscious of how many times in a day we are snacking. So um, constant snacking, no matter how small the actual amount is, can mean your teeth are getting more of a steady supply of bacteria and of sorry of carbohydrates and sugars and that's going to give the bacteria in our teeth or in our plaque more um basically ammo to use to make these acids and these acids can then cause harm so it's actually better my advice would be to eat your sweet snacks or your desserts with your main meals and reduce the amount of times you are snacking in the day Um, As we just
0: asked about the different general systemic diseases, would you like to name some, please,
3: Um, which could be caused
0: by dental issues?
3: Yeah, so um, this is quite um, undermined, but the dental health can have a big effect on general health. And an example of this is endocarditis, where bacteria from your mouth can actually enter your bloodstream and attach to certain areas in your heart and cause an infection um yeah which is quite significant and some research even suggests that heart disease and stroke can be linked to infections and inflammation of the mouth and even lung infections and pneumonia as well yeah Oh, that, that's very informative. But I, uh, I cannot
0: forget that acid reflux, which is our speciality also, yeah. I'll say also, is also affected by the dental hygiene. Yeah, or, that's a really good one, actually. Or dental hygiene is affected by the acid reflux. Oh, this is very interesting. Uh, thank you very much, Tanya. That was thank very, you. very helpful. Thank you for having me. And uh, I hope and I wish all our listener, listeners have enjoyed and learned. Uh, We, uh, I would like to say that we have come to the end of this special episode and uh, I would like to uh, thank all my guests for this time, uh, for their time and valuable contribution to this health and well-being of our listener advice. Thank you very much indeed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.